0: help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com.
1: Welcome back to The Free Lunch with Greg Kruminski and Colin Andrews. Greg, good to have you back.
2: Great to be back.
1: Every week we're back here again.
2: We are. And last week we had Penny Phillips on the show and that was a great show, wasn't it? That was fun.
1: It was fun. And I would encourage anybody who missed it, to go back and listen to it because the timing of the show coming out, it came out on December 23rd, just a couple days before Christmas. And with that, a whole bunch of distractions around, like in our household, the annual eating competition.
2: Oh, right on.
1: (laughs) And how many butter tarts can a person actually eat without feeling nauseous is a question I try to answer every year.
2: Do you have a number yet?
1: No, no, I don't. Although (laughs) it's funny, we went to, this is totally an aside, but... We went to Disney World a number of years ago, and they had an all-you-can-eat marshmallow pit. And my kids were, I don't know, maybe they were 11 and 9 or something at the time. And my 9-year-old daughter ate like 16 marshmallows because she wanted to break the record. Yeah, it was pretty good. Her older brother could not let her have that record, so he ended up eating 18 just so he could have the record. And they were both completely sick afterwards.
2: And what about their dad? I mean... Surely Zero. you had to show some...
1: <laughs> Zero. I don't actually like marshmallows, so...
2: <laughs> Not willing to show them how you do it.
1: <laughs> no, I'll stick to the butter tarts, but... Right on. Well, listen, so we're here at the end of the calendar year. Today, as this is coming out, will be on December 30th. And I guess we could argue this could be the worst calendar year in our lifetimes, given the events over the past nine months. And there's a lot of good reasons to say goodbye to 2020.
2: I think you're right. It's funny. I think 2020 has become... A verb, like you got 2020 Well, How long are we going to be saying that?
1: Forever, actually, forever. (laughs) That will be just part of the repertoire going forward. But as we go into this new calendar year, of course, there's a lot of hope. And we've talked about this in the past, that hope is the only thing stronger than fear. And so I'm very hopeful that 2021 is much different than 2020.
2: I believe that is going to be the case. And we're talking about predictions today, so let's make our prediction. 2021 will be better
1: than 2020. You heard it here first. (laughs) It's not hard. That's not a hard (laughs) prediction. That's like saying the sun will come up tomorrow. But with this new calendar year, of course, coming, this is the time of year when all of these lists start to come out. Lists from investment companies of what stocks to buy, what are the top stocks to own for this next year. And so today we're going to dig into these lists a little bit. And of course, this is just in jest. I know that there are people that follow these lists and we're not making judgmental claims against them. We're just going to talk about it a bit.
2: That's right. And again, we do this. I don't want to sound cynical because essentially what's happening is people are being tasked with doing the impossible and the impossible being predicting the future. But I think it benefits us and our listeners to review them because it highlights how many times the lists are wrong, the predictions do not come to pass, or the predictions come to pass for reasons differently than the logic that brought them out in the first place. So we'll talk about a few of these. So let's dive in. I was looking on one of the websites, an investment website, and this was back from last year, and it was 20 predictions for the stock market in 2020. The number one prediction was there will be no recession in 2020.
1: Oops. Oops. (laughs) That one got twenty twenty'd.
2: So I guess if you consider that the US GDP dropped about five percent in the first quarter, followed by a thirty-two point nine percent drop in the second quarter, the worst drop in GOP in history, that one didn't work out quite as planned. And again, since nobody predicted a global pandemic, it's understandable to see why had that not happened, perhaps there would not have been a recession in 2020, but very difficult to predict every event that could affect us. And here's a good example. Number two, the stock market will have another positive year. Well, we did have a positive year in the stock market, and that's despite a global pandemic. And so why did the stock market have a positive year in 2020? Well, it's not because of all the reasons that were explained in this particular article. It's because in response to the pandemic, federal banks, central banks around the world and governments created an unprecedented amount of stimulus in the US alone. I think it was $5 trillion and counting.
1: and counting.
2: And so clearly, we had a positive stock market, but not for the reasons expected. Okay, number three, interest rates will remain unchanged the entire year. Well, how did that work out? Interest rates currently, the US short-term overnight rate is 0.25%. A year ago at this time, it's 1.75%. So clearly interest rates did not remain unchanged.
1: Well, and actually on that, Greg, even at 1.75% last year, that was still pretty low historically. That was
2: very low, very low, Because exactly. we've been
1: hearing for at least 10 straight years that interest rates are going to go up.
2: That's right. And it's taken a long time for them not to go up. Here's one that worked out. FANG stocks, FANG being Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Sometimes Netflix is replaced by Microsoft in that acronym, but FAMG is a little harder to say. Anyway, so the prediction was FANG stocks will outperform the benchmark S&P 500 as a whole. And that was a good call. It's exactly what happened. But again, not for the same reason. The reason that they outperformed so dramatically was because of the pandemic, which required the economies to shut down and for people to work from home. And a heck of a lot of people had to engage those companies in order to work from home.
1: That one feels like a coin flip to me, though. That one feels like, so this next year we're going in and you could say, well, heads, fang, will outperform, tails, it'll underperform.
2: It could be. And there's lots of reasons, of course, as to why they might outperform. But here's the interesting one. Following on that prediction was, but, big but, Netflix will finish the year lower. Okay, so FANG outperforming, but not Netflix. Well, so what happened this year? Again, so close, but Netflix closed up over $200 a share, or 61% from the end of last year. So right for the wrong reasons and wrong for the wrong reasons. And the last one, there was 20 of these in this particular article. I'm just going to deal with six of them right now. But the last one that I want to talk about was that Bitcoin would lose half of its value again To about three thousand five hundred dollars per Bitcoin, down from about seven thousand, a little over seven thousand dollars at the end of last year. So where is Bitcoin today? Oops, hit an all-time high, and it's currently trading around twenty-three thousand five hundred dollars, or up about three hundred and thirty percent on the year. Okay, now listen. As I say, there was fourteen other predictions in the article. Some came true, although for very different reasons, as we talked about earlier. And others were way off the mark. And again, it's a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel. People stick their necks out when they make these predictions, knowing full well that at the end of the year, some of them will have come true, some of them won't have come true. And I do want to be fair to the author of this particular study, because what he concludes with is a statement that whether or not his predictions are accurate, buying and holding the stock market for a long period of time is a good recipe to make money. And he identifies that every correction in the U.S. market since 1950 has been erased by a subsequent bull market rally. And that's kind of the take-home message. But it's interesting because what you've done is you've laid out 20 predictions that may encourage people to take an action based on those predictions. And in the end, the postscript that I just read out is really the important thing to take away. And that is never mind the predictions. If you want to believe in the markets, believe in the markets. I found it quite interesting that after doing that, that's what he came up with. So, And listen, as I say, it's easy to pick holes, but it's also fun. So what the heck? Let's do some (laughs) more.
1: (laughs) I find the Bitcoin one fascinating. I read something the other day that a Bitcoin is exactly worth one Bitcoin. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, carrying on with that. We should have prefaced this by saying, like, we're going to talk about some individual stocks on this show, but we're not recommending any of them, of course. We're not recommending anybody purchase them, sell them, or anything. This is just for information purposes. And in this case, Greg, for entertainment purposes, too. Exactly. So Barron's came out with its top picks for 2021. And I'm not picking on Barron's. It's just that this was the list that I most recently saw. And so, as I said at the beginning of the show, these lists are put out. By most, if not all, investment firms and investment publications. And they just sort of highlight companies that they think will do well. So which companies did Barron think had the most upside ahead of them for this new year? And again, in no particular order, Alphabet, which is the G in FANG, Google's parent company. Berkshire Hathaway, Apple, Coca-Cola, Merck, Goldman Sachs, Graham Holdings, Madison Square Entertainment. And Newmont. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off there. I'd never heard of Graham Holdings either. (laughs) (laughs) We shouldn't.
2: There's a lot of companies out there. There's 3,000 in the sort of broad US market index of the Russell 3000. So it's hard to know all of them.
1: Yeah, 3,000 to trade every day on multiple exchanges. But the ones here, for the most part, are pretty well known. Like to go out on a limb and say, I don't know, Apple will do well this year. Well, okay. I mean, Apple is just sort of everywhere around us.
2: Yes, I've heard of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's the list for 2021. So I wanted to look back just a couple of years ago at their list of 2019, just as a f- form of reference. And there's some overlap, a little bit. Apple is also on the list of 2019. Bank of America. Chevron Corporation. Hostess Brands, which I guess would be the potato chip company. Is that right? Hostess Brands?
2: Not to mention Twinkies.
1: Twinkies, right. Monroe Incorporated. Which is also a company I'm not familiar with. Amazon, which is a company I'm very familiar with and do most of my Christmas shopping on. Microsoft, Alibaba Group Holdings. Here's one for you. Peg Seguro Digital. Ever heard of that one?
2: Of course. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I'm sure they're a great company, though.
1: Oh, I'm sure they have a clean balance sheet and excellent management. <laughs> That's right. Kinder Morgan and United Healthcare. Okay. So that's the list. Now I wanted to look at, well, how did they do? And I took that list from 2019 and I just put it into a calculator and that portfolio returned 13.71% over the last 12 months, which is... not bad. That's pretty good. But the S&P 500 returned 14.6% over the last 12 months. So now I don't want to focus on 12 month returns too much, but... This seems relevant because this was a list that would have been for a 12-month return sort of basis, correct? Absolutely. And this doesn't factor in any fees. Now, I know that maybe some could argue, okay, well, it actually doesn't really cost anything to trade stocks in the US for sure. But in Canada, we still do have some transactional fees. So even if you're just trading them, you would have incurred some fees. So you could have returned actually as much as 2% below the market return just in purchasing and selling these shares, Right on.: And then actually, Greg, as I was doing this exercise, I was thinking back to our discussion a couple of weeks ago about the marathon versus a sprint. And what if, in this list of companies, let's say hypothetically, you'd gone out and you'd purchased this list in equal amounts just because you thought barons knew exactly what they were talking about. And one of the companies happened to be something, I don't know, travel or airline-related before 2020? So that would have created a very different outcome. that would
2: portfolio. That's right. And that gets back to that concept of torpedo stocks, where if you have a concentrated portfolio, you're only holding 10, and even one of them torpedoes, then that brings down your whole return to a point where you likely will be underperforming the index as a whole.
1: And I shouldn't get into the what if game because I don't like it. What if we did this? What if we did that? Woulda, coulda, shoulda are things that don't really apply in investing. But if you had replaced... Pag Seguro Digital with Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines is a much different story.
2: I actually tell many people, many of our clients that I speak to on a daily basis, it's a particularly frustrating business to be in because every day when you come into the office or sit in front of your computer, you know exactly what you should have done yesterday. And of course, had you known that in advance, you and I would be broadcasting, I guess, making this podcast from some lovely island in the South Pacific. So. That we
1: owned. We would own exactly. that island. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> well, listen, I mean, why do investors focus on these lists despite the fact that year after year there's as many disappointments as there are successes? And I think the answer is that people have a psychological aversion to uncertainty or randomness. And as a result, and we all do this, we tend to convince ourselves that we know more. And are more in control than we actually are. And a good example of this, psychologists have shown that people very easily convince themselves that a random bit of good luck was in fact the result of skill. And so even when they do tests and the task at hand is guessing what side of a coin will turn up when it's flipped, the very symbol of randomness, I mean, flipping a coin, people are easily convinced that their correct guesses were the result of skill and not luck. And so it's why people in business seldom even consider the possibility that positive outcomes or forecasts that work out correctly were actually the product of luck and not skill. And if they don't consider the possibility, they can become deluded pretty easily.
1: Greg, you know where I see that. Sorry to cut you off. Where I see that yeah, is yeah, go in ahead. Golf. I know you don't golf, but I do. I don't. I was with a friend of mine last summer, and he got a hole in one on a short hole. He put the ball in in one stroke. Pretty good, right?
2: pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah. This guy's a crappy golfer. He's terrible. He just happened to get lucky, hit the green, it rolled in and he has a hole in one. Yet I golf with other people that are incredibly good golfers that have never had a hole in one. So isn't that kind of the same scenario as coin flipping?
2: Sure it is. Well, it's funny you mentioned that about golf because when I did golf long before I gave it up, I was a horrible golfer and I could easily card a hundred on a round of golf. What keeps you coming back is you have one great shot around and it just works perfectly. It goes where you were aiming. It was just the perfect shot. And I always came away from it and I didn't get sucked into it because to me, it was like, well, gee, if I swing the club a hundred times, I'm bound <laughs> to connect once properly just by chance. That wasn't skill. If it was skill, I would have done it more than one time and I would have had fewer than 99
1: horrible shots. That sounds like a random distribution of returns.
2: Exactly right. We all want to believe that somebody knows what's happening out there or that somebody is holding the information in their hands. And full disclosure here, we've had many conversations with investors over the years. It's clear that there's a belief that the best ideas are on some secret lists. And the reality is there are no secret lists. So when investors talk about other options from the models that we recommend, I guess our answer sometimes is like, oh, okay, well, maybe you're looking for our second best advice, second best choice of a portfolio selection. So (laughs) it's interesting.
1: It is. You know what it reminds me of is talking to my niece's boyfriend. He's a nice guy. And he's one of those guys you can ask anything and he just knows the answer, the in quotations. So, I'll give you an example. I won't say his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but let's call him Jim. I'll say, Jim, how should I train my dog to go to the bathroom outside? Jim will give me the exact answer. This is how you do it. I'll say, Jim, what's the best type of paint for moisture areas like the bathrooms in my house? And he'll tell me exactly what he believes is the best paint. I'll say, Jim, should I get a real Christmas tree or a fake one? He has an opinion, he speaks with conviction. What's the best way to pack my car for a road trip? how should i raise my children should i brush my teeth upwards or up and down or in a circular rotation <laughs> it doesn't seem to matter what i ask him jim has the answer He's and an i expert. think it's because he speaks with conviction so Absolutely. this is kind of like when we watch tv television there's finance shows and there's these call-in shows and people will call in and they'll have some guest on and they'll ask them about a company so you've seen these shows greg we've all seen i them. have So I just happened to catch one last Friday and the expert was somebody I knew in our industry and so I was curious, well, what companies will people call in and ask about and what will he say? So the companies that people called in to ask about included, I'll name them all off and then I'll talk about them a little bit. Lightspeed, Cisco Systems, Fairfax Financial, Apple, Alibaba, BlackBerry, Bitcoin, Facebook, Copper Mountain Mining, Magna International, Intact Financial, and Microsoft. That's a pretty long list.
2: That's a long list and very diverse companies in diverse industries.
1: Well, yeah, that's my point. So The point is, okay, so this expert was to speak as an expert, answering questions from investors on each of those different companies. But you had this vast number of sectors and specific companies that he was asked to give comments on. So my question, I guess, to the audience here is, is it reasonable to expect that a person on TV would know as much about Lightspeed, which is a software provider focused on production and payment acceptance, as they would know about Copper Mountain Mining, which is a copper and gold producer based in Canada, as they would know about Bitcoin, the new frontier cryptocurrency, Megda International, involved in automobile manufacturing. I mean, it's quite a list of companies that this person is being asked to comment specifically on and give specific recommendations as an expert. Doesn't make sense to me, Greg.
2: It doesn't make sense. And listen, I give credit to a lot of these analysts. They study a lot of companies. They pour over balance sheets and income statements. And that's all great. But again, it gets to the point of, well, what don't you know? And as many people have said, you don't know what you don't know until something comes along and you realize you didn't know it or weren't able to project it or predict it.
1: And unfortunately, they're all right at times. So even these lists that we're having some fun with today, it's like your golf game. You just mentioned you take a hundred swings and you'll connect on the ball once and it'll feel pretty good. Exactly. Just imagine if that's a hundred companies that you're talking about. I mean, one of them is bound to go up.
2: That's Right you know you can do it. Well it's interesting too because when you talk about who's an expert, what's an expert and who you expect to be perceived as an expert, it's kind of hilarious for followers of Saturday Night Live. There was in my view one of the funniest episodes ever was decades ago. In fact, Jimmy Carter was the president and this particular skit was Ask the President with the idea being that people might phone in and ask the president something that he would be expert in, things like what's going on internationally, what's the story with Russia these days, what are you doing to help the economy, and of course, that's not exactly what happens.
1: I looked it up though, Greg. As you know, I got the script here from Saturday Night Live. Full disclosure, are we promoting Saturday Night Live from the late 70s and early 80s, Greg? Yes, we are. Of course, it's a we're hilarious. hilarious, show. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the script I'll be the caller and you be the president, okay?
2: All right, okay. I'm President Jimmy Carter, okay?
1: Jimmy, okay. Hello, Mr. President. Yes, sir. I'm an employee of the U.S. Postal Service here in Kansas. Last year, they installed an automated letter sorting system called the Marvix 3000. But the system doesn't work too good. Letters keep getting clogged in the first level sorting grid. Is there anything that can be done about this, Jimmy? Well, Mr. Horbath, Vice President Mondale and I were just talking
2: about the Morvex 3000 this morning. I do have a suggestion. You know the caliper poised on the first grid sliding armature? Yes. Okay, there's a three-digit setting there where the post and the armature meet. Now, when the system was installed, the angle of the cross slide was put at a maximum setting of one. If you reset it at the three mark, like it says in the assembly instructions, I think it'll solve any clogging problems in the machine. (laughs) How ridiculous is that?
1: Well, it's ridiculous because the listeners here don't have the pleasure of listening to the whole skit. I believe that callers call in and ask, like, how to cook a turkey.
2: That's right. Of course, what makes it funny is the irony of expecting a person who's clearly an expert in one aspect of our lives, that being politics and Everything else is going to be answering questions about postage meters, and which, again, sounds a little bit like your niece's boyfriend. Uh, (laughs) And listen, joking aside, and we're having some fun on this podcast at the expense of people who are making predictions. And again, our goal isn't to make anyone feel stupid. Our goal is to acknowledge the fact that predicting the future is a very, very difficult thing to do. And you can make a forecast about one aspect, whether it's geopolitics, whether it's global climate, whether it's health issues, whatever it might be. But the ability to take all of those forecasts and to combine them down into a prediction that will allow us to come up with any kind of accurate guess as to what the price of oil will be next year, or what the price of a Bitcoin will be, or how a particular stock will perform. It's a very, very difficult and, I'd argue, virtually impossible task.
1: It is, except for the one that you mentioned. A Bitcoin will be worth one Bitcoin.
2: Exactly. (laughs) That's right.
1: And as you say, we're not here to beat up people about these lists. The fact is these lists come out every year unsolicited, and people do read them and make investments based on the lists.
2: That's right. And listen, why don't we kind of sum it up? By making some predictions. I'm going to make some predictions. How about that? I predict that investing in stock markets and bond markets over the long time will result in returns that will help investors achieve their financial goals.
1: Wait, 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 you're really going out on a limb here.
2: (laughs) Exactly. When's the best time to invest? Well, I think it was Sir John Templeton that said the best time to invest is when you have money. And so if you have money, now is as good a time to invest as any. What should we invest in? I would predict that the best investment to give you a positive investment experience will be a broadly diversified basket of stocks and bonds, diversified by size, by type of company, by geography, and do that in a way that's at a relatively low cost. So, those are my predictions for next year and beyond. What do you think?
1: Well, Copper Mountain Mining what's going to happen there
2: <laughs> well of course copper mountain mining i think will probably based on its name will probably be producing copper next year and gold oh and gold too excellent <laughs> anyway again we always will sound like a broken record because we're always going to come down to those basic tenets of investing that we believe in and we believe that will generate as i say positive investment experiences for our investors or for investors in general and will help people work towards their financial goals and their life goals.
1: Well, and we don't want to dissuade people from investing in individual companies if they choose to. We've talked about this. If you take a small amount of your capital and you read a list and there's something there that you like and you think makes sense to you, just make sure you're putting in only as much as you can afford to lose.
2: Exactly right. Right on.
1: So Greg, for fun, what are you doing these days? What are you reading, watching, doing?
2: As we talk, when we have our own little team meetings, my days tend to be the same from one day to the next. And this year it's been from one week and one month to the next going on nine months now. I actually started a new book because I figured this one might take me straight through the pandemic. It's a book by Ken Follett and it's called The Evening in the Morning.
1: Wait, aren't those like 1,200 pages or something?
2: This one, I'm going easy on myself. It's only 900 pages. And of course, this book is set in England in the beginning of the Middle Ages and very interesting books. I previously read a book of his, Pillars of the Earth, which is an excellent book. And this is a prequel to that book. So I'm just starting it, but I'll be able to report on it, as I say, probably week by week over the next six months. Yeah, I was I say,
1: for weeks, you'll be talking about that book. Exactly. <laughs> and what are you reading? Well, actually, I just started the One Page Financial Plan by Carl Richards. Carl, who, of course, we had on our show a couple months ago. I'm about, I don't know, a third into the book, maybe 60 pages in. And in 60 pages, I'm learning how to do a one page financial plan.
2: Well, Carl is the expert on taking complex things and making them simple. So I think that's a worthy endeavor.
1: It is. One of the parts I've got in the book, it says, he asks people, why is money important to you? That's a very... I won't get into it today. We're not going to get into it, but I'd like people to think about that. Why is money important to them? What does it mean? Because what does it have to do with lists of stocks? I mean, maybe it's related, maybe not, but I got to tell you, I watched a movie last night with my wife and daughter. We ordered sushi and it was the ordering of sushi that triggered our memory of my wife who said, let's watch Memoirs of a Geisha as a nice family movie. Seems appropriate. <laughs> It was okay. I don't think it was the greatest movie to watch with my 14-year-old daughter, but it was okay. But now let's talk about local events. Anything for local events?
2: Well, let's see. For me, getting out of my driveway and down the street in this snowstorm is probably going to be one of the highlights of the next few days. But speaking of New Year's Eve, which is coming up in a couple of days, I don't think we have anything planned. How about you? Is there anything going on that you're going to take the kids to see?
1: The only thing we plan on doing is celebrating the end of 2020 because 2020, you sucked and we need something better.
2: Second that, you bet. Well, 2021 is going to be a whole lot better. That's my prediction as well.
1: Again, going out on a limb.
2: (laughs) So we're going to finish off our podcast talking about the validity of predictions with that last biggie. Exactly. 2021. Right on.
1: All right. Well, listen. Thanks for joining us today on The Free Lunch. We hope everybody stays safe, warm, and full during the holidays. And we will catch everybody in the new year.
2: We'll be back in 2021. You bet.
1: All right. Till then. Thank you for listening
0: to The Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminsky are investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates, or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking, or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets Inc. 2020.